Hello and welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and their fabulous guests uh, adventure through the labyrinth to find uh, the movies at the center of the goblin city of the 80s to, uh, you know, re-examine the ones that we love or might have missed with, uh, you know, these are modern 2022 eyes and uh today we are watching labyrinth or we already watched it we're talking about labyrinth a movie selection from 1986 tristar pictures announces the collaboration of three extraordinary talents jim henson creator of the muppets and dark crystal George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars saga. And one of the most innovative forces in modern entertainment, David Bowie. <laughs> They will take you into a dazzling world of fantasy and adventure. There's nothing to be afraid of. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars of no one. I, they find it really curious how they chose to present it as like here are the people who helped to make it especially david bowie like instead of like showing us what the movie is about i mean it's kind of weird right i think i mean granted as someone who was born in the 80s and therefore you know not like old enough to to uh understand the reasoning but i there's a part of me that thinks that like maybe it was experimental enough that they were like well what's a guaranteed bringer yeah (laughs) we better tell him we better tell him george lucas was involved otherwise Mm -hmm. they might freak out um this this also comes after the dark crystal which was not which was kind of um deemed a little weird by a lot of people too I I was talking to when I was talking to my fiance last night about because we watched it together last night. I was like I was like wait so Dark Crystal came after this right? But apparently not. Mm-mm. Well, if you are totally new to the podcast and have no idea who these voices are, well, one of them you shouldn't know unless you're you're some sort of psychic. But of course, we have Nathan Blackwell, filmmaker. I, do you, was I supposed to say and, something else? Sorry, I stopped. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, and joining us today is a very special guest, a, a comedian, improviser, sketch comedy, commedia dell'arte, all around a theater and comedy person, Valerie. Hello. 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 Uh, we're so excited to have you. Um, Let's let's just right at the beginning before we jump in. Tell us about some of the uh, things that you have done and are doing. Um, 
at like Pack Theater and Rise Theater and all over all over LA and Denver. Okay. Uh cool beans. Um well <laughs> in uh in LA I was on a uh sketch comedy team at the pack called Moonshot. Um we we did shows every month. So like I would produce a lot of uh people's sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh I was the you know the Wrangler, the chief human Wrangler uh an important job as nathan can testify to (laughs) oh yeah yeah right like wrangling peeps is just so undervalued (laughs) i can do that and then i'm like cool man here you go here's like 50 million plates go spin them all why don't you yep um no and uh and in another one of my things that i i love to i love to talk about um in LA, uh, I ran an after-school theater program for uh, kids at a long-term domestic violence shelter. Uh, we did that for three years. We um, we called ourselves the Rogue Theater Squad, uh, and what we did is we went to this shelter um, and we would spend the first of the fall semester teaching these kids uh, improv and story te- uh, improv and storytelling stuff, so we could just get them to play and build trust with each other and trust each other's choices as well as their own. And then the spring semester, we would get them to uh, write and put up their own original fifteen-minute uh, play. Um, and it was it was it was it was challenging work. It was rewarding work. It was it's one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, so that's like, if, you know, if I were to, you know, get hit by a snowmobile, like right after <laughs> the podcast, that is like the number one thing I want in my obit, uh, yeah. as okay. well as doting cat mom, uh, <laughs> of course, of course. uh, uh, and then uh, in Denver, uh, I just moved to Denver. So, but, um, I'm getting involved in the theater scene and figuring it out, figuring out where everything is, but I did a, a comedia play for the holidays and. I'm coaching a sketch team at Rise Comedy. So, yeah. So exciting. Like, truly have, have stuck your finger into every artistic pie. <laughs> so that's very cool. And we're Can so I glad to... I wash my hands before I do it. <laughs> um, so usually at the top, we, like, describe everybody's, like, experience with this movie. Of course, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but this movie, to me, uh, was was one of the big ones and was also very important to both my kids uh, and their youths. Um, but Nathan, I think this could go either way for you. I think that you could <laughs> either have loved this movie because of maybe the George Lucasness of it, or you could have like totally avoided it um, as being, a, you know, a silly thing. No, well, well, it turns out it's the middle ground. Like, okay. you know, so to me, this was always a Jim Henson movie. There wasn't much. I mean, there was some touch on the whole George Lucas thing, but he didn't even do like any press for it. And so uh, because he wanted didn't want to steal the limelight from from Jim. Yeah. Um. And so, no, but it was definitely something like I I. I enjoy I, I you know i really enjoyed the muppets um and and the stuff like that jim henson did and so it was a movie i remember seeing in theaters and i do remember seeing later in you know on vhs and things like that but it was never an obsession it was like one of those movies i'd i would rewatch just as opportunity came up mm-hmm. so it wasn't in like the family rotation i see i see um, and Valerie was seeing this movie for the very first time. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know, 
I know it was a it's a shocker. I know someone who's into like comedian puppets and everyone's like, "What? You haven't seen this movie?" Uh, no, I knew an, I knew enough pop culture references to get me by on pretending I saw it. So yeah, that's I mean that's that's a big one. If you if you just know David Bowie's in it, that's probably like all you really need. Well, it's it's you gotta mm-hmm. know David Bowie and Dance Magic Dance. That's all you gotta know, and you can get through it. You can or, or, and you can get through like a conversation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You remind me of the babe. Okay. So, like, any initial thoughts as a first time viewer, Valerie? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Was it weird? What do you think? Uh, it was weird, but it was like '80s weird, right? I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I was um I was talking to my fiance about it. There were there were like moments when we were like, well, I know that the emphasis was on you know like the puppets and the characters. Um, and there were moments where, as far as like on a writing level, I was like, I wish that they had like gone just a little bit deeper, just because, um, uh. Like uh, uh like with David Bowie and and Sarah or I guess Jareth and Sarah I was like so is Jareth like it does he like is he hitting on her it's not entirely clear mm-hmm. uh and I just I just chalked it up to eighties writing but I, yeah <laughs> but I wanted more clarity there <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this movie went through, like, a lot of... I, I know so many facts about this movie. It's like, I didn't even rewatch it. I was just like, I could I know this whole movie <laughs> backwards and forwards. Um, and it went through a lot of writing. It was... Um, do, you, do you remember which one, Nathan? But, uh, someone from Monty Python was yeah, the... Yeah, ter- Terry Jones. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, was the original writer, and then it got passed around and passed around and passed around. Um but yeah, it is very ambiguous of what uh, what Dar- David Bowie's intentions are, what Jareth's motivation is in this situation. Um, and it's not until like many, many, many watches where you even have the opportunity to notice that when we're panning around Sarah's room, um, you can see newspaper clippings of uh, her mother who was an actress and uh, her mother's leading man, who is David Bowie. And uh, the story sort of tells you that the mom ran away with this uh, David Bowie actor. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, in, in Sarah's labyrinth of her mindscape, like that would be who she would like sort of identify or, or characterize as this like mercurial, man um yeah both both a threat but yet also you know a bit seductive or appealing you know and you know she's i think i think a lot of the story is like she's at that age where it's like things aren't necessarily overtly or intentionally like sexualized but there's like a little bit of like a simmering undercurrent of like Mm-hmm. you know is this what i'm into kind of yeah thing? It, it it is definitely a a coming of age movie that, you know we it's something that we don't get to see a lot of which is a a a young a female coming of age movie set in kind of an adventure mm-hmm. and so you you not only have like the version of like oh the childhood playthings that 
you know, um, that I, I still am attached to and can't get rid of, but yet being drawn to a man with tight pants. Oh, they are you know? so tight. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you, we watch some of these movies. It's like, oh, my gosh, that like such and such as cleavage probably propelled like a whole generation of young men into puberty. And right. I'm, I, and that's exactly what I thought for the young girls with, with Jareth. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you wish to expound upon that, but oh yeah. Um, Any, anybody who's really into Renaissance festivals had, <laughs> had some sort of experience with this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, he's David Bowie. He is like sexy and appealing, but also like completely otherworldly. Yeah, Jareth. You know, I I know I don't think that they reached. Uh, there, there's like I I heard that you know they considered a lot of other people like Michael Jackson or Prince or people for this role. I don't think they ever reached out to them. Mm-hmm. I think, um, but you know, just thinking about it, like there's not Jareth David Bowie's character has to be both fun and funny but yet attractive and dangerous mm-hmm. he has to be all those things and i and and all the people that they considered i think the you know only other person who maybe could have done it was sting oh you know what nathan ding 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 you're right i would have yeah. accepted sting yeah because but i wouldn't have liked it as much yeah 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 i i don't think anyone could have replaced david bowie with that that way that they were going with, which is a rock star, you know, mm-hmm. I think they could have done it, you know, because I, I I heard that he they didn't get him until two months before shooting. That's right. Uh, um, and so I think the only other way to have gone, which is to pick an actor who could sing rather than the rock star route. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like you know, we don't always talk about like, oh, could you remake this? Could you redo it? But I I don't know of anyone who would have that unless unless you did that thing which which you know i love it if they are going to redo something if they are going to remake it like i would want to keep i would want to keep sarah the main character as a young girl but maybe there's like a billy eilish in the jareth role and it's even more confusing you know that it's like you not only is it this like dangerous sexy menacing thing but it's like oh i'm also confused as to like is there a gender identity i don't know Mm -hmm. um but uh, you know, of course, this is the story of Sarah, who is like introducing Jennifer Connelly. Um, we first meet her and she's just like out in a field in, you know, a Renaissance costume reciting lines to a play called The Labyrinth. Um, and it's a very 80s opening sequence where she's like just hanging out with her dog and she's like, oh, no it's late and we have to get home for babysitting saxophone 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 uh she <laughs> runs home to where her stepmother is like ready to yell at her yeah and and, and and re-watching this like i much more side with the parents mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. just crazy chaotic teenager just slow your roll okay and she's and she said like the stepmom is like I would love it if you had a date. You should have dates, but you don't have a date. So can you babysit? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she Yeah, that was um Jennifer Connelly's character, Sarah. She was at this ambiguous age where she 
you know, she is like, she, it's encouraged, she's encouraged to go on dates and yet like she has her toys and she's very possessive of her toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and then she, you know, whines and, uh, about like how she, you know, has so much responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, even though she's allowed to go in the park all day. Yeah. <laughs> She was tired from a day of housework and and bur- burned by the harsh words of her stepmother. And it's like, really? House? Did you do housework before you right. went to the park? Things like- are so terrible in my five, my two-story, five-bedroom home. Yeah. In a beautiful part of we don't know where in America, but like clearly is very nice and like. You know, of course, I, it makes sense for her to have, like, some resentment for the new stepmom, the the new baby, and, like, obviously her dad is just a wet noodle, because he's, like, is that the expression, a wet noodle or wet blanket? Like, he's just, seems very passive. I, I, I'll accept both. Okay. <laughs> I like to use noodle, but that's just my personal preference. Okay. Because <laughs> he's just, like, Sarah, um, I, you, we're going to go, I guess, if you're... All right, bye. Oh, yeah, uh, my favorite. My favorite was, like, let me talk to her. And he talks to her through a door. Like, that was supposed to be, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to have that, like, daddy-daughter, like, wink-wink, nudge-nudge, I'm secretly on your side. And instead, he just talks to her through the door. And, he's and like, he says oh. nothing. He's like, we got to go. Yeah, exactly. Here's the big talk. Here's the big talk. Hey, honey, we're leaving. I, yeah, so. So, I mean, I think that, like, you know, of course, an adult's point of view is like, yeah, of course, she has some sort of like arrested development situation. If her mom left their family, like, and now she has this stepmother, of course, she's trying to like stay in that chi- in that place of like childhood where she can pretend and such. So, um, unknowing, she's a terrible babysitter. Also, like, she's just leaving <laughs> Toby to his own devices as she's like flopping around her room, being mad. Um, and she unwittingly summons the goblins to take uh to take her brother away because this i guess this play that she's been reading the story that she um is telling herself is that uh there's a king of goblins and he's fallen in love with the girl and given her certain powers that if she says her right words they'll take him away to the goblin city and he'll become a goblin and then that's sort of the crux of the movie is like her brother gets stolen by goblins does she want to get him back? They'll forget about the baby. No, she's going to, she has 13 hours to solve the labyrinth, get her brother back and, and learn that life isn't fair, but you just got to deal mm-hmm. with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is the part i I wish was just a little in terms of writing that I had, you know, a, I guess a little issue with was that it just seemed like she did, you know, she didn't, there wasn't like the cycle of like realizing she did something wrong, the regret protesting, struggling with taking on the quest. It was basically as soon as Jareth shows up, she goes like, I need my baby brother back. Give it to me. Like she, we, we didn't follow her on the kind of like emotional transition of, of then really needing to go save him. It was almost kind of like assumed, Oh yes, of course I must go save him. And now I'm on the quest. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I I do appreciate for the sake of brevity, because, you know, this, I think, I mean, was this movie for kids, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because if teenagers okay because for the sake of brevity i do appreciate how quickly she just accepted that this was happening Mm -hmm. like it was like okay we have 90 minutes right we have we have 90 minutes to to get this film out and she's like here my magic words and oh oh, yep there's a david bowie goblin king in front of me saying your magic words worked and she was like oh damn oopsie doopsie whoops one back so like i but i agree for the sake of like emo, uh, for character arc i do wish there was more of that but also for the sake of just like launching into because like the you know like for the sake of like the teenager slash kids this movie was geared towards obviously like get to the labyrinth faster yeah get in that labyrinth get in it but also like the baby the brother is just is just the 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 thing that's gonna force her to keep going in the labyrinth like she's she's in the labyrinth for you know for her own reasons it's just the baby is like this go- she doesn't even like at the end when she solves the labyrinth like scoop him up you know mm-hmm. she just falls on her own um so the baby is a real baby is a real nothing baby come on baby be more valuable make us want you more um <laughs> no yeah, yeah, I, I felt like we we were missing a lot of emotional connection between her and the baby and, oh, yeah. and the motivation. She's put in a situation where she's like, of course, she must go on the quest, you know, and of course, we must face a bunch of ridiculous fun things, you know. Yeah. But in terms of us, like, feeling her her need and, and kind of being in her footsteps, it was very kind of perfunctory. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, like, uh, uh, as she goes through the labyrinth and we do go from, like, one situation to the next, one complication of the labyrinth to the next, the, like, two main lessons that she's going to keep learning are, number one, you can't take things for granted. You have to sort of ask questions and and investigate things, you know, be curious about things rather than be, uh, you know making assumptions and taking things for granted and you know that nothing is fair the labyrinth isn't fair life isn't fair and you know you either deal with it and carry on or you sit down and sulk about it right because nothing mm-hmm. in the labyrinth is is fair or like you know it's not like a, a meritocracy in there it's just you do what you do you know you solve the riddles or you don't um, and of course, the people making herself those riddles are adorable puppets. The first one we meet, <laughs> well, we meet Hoggle and we kill a bunch of fairies and he's like right there, like, don't assume fairies are nice. These, mm-hmm. these, these fairies are real assholes and he's poisoning them. <laughs> um, what did you think of the character Hoggle, Valerie? Uh, I love the running gag uh, that no one ever gets his name right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh as and I love that he's a coward. Like he's an unashamed coward. He's just oh, like, yeah. that's who I am. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, like I, I, I love, I love that he, you know, like he basically is he, he, his allegiances go to the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and I, and I appreciate that. You know, for a kids' movie, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> He both sells Sarah out and feels bad about it. Um, and But like that puppet was like like a super, super complicated puppet. There were like, I think, 
like way more than the usual amount of people puppeting it. Like there was someone like just controlling the upper lip, just controlling the bottom lip, just controlling the eyebrows. Like it was a crazy complicated puppet. Oh, really? And I thought this whole time I was like, oh, there must have been someone in the suit. There was someone in the suit, but the head was was uh, operated by um, gloves. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then famously, or perhaps not famously, but famously to me, uh, the Hoggle puppet got lost in the air in a plane and ended up at the Albuquerque airport where it was never claimed and no one knows what has happened to it. <gasps> it got thrown away. <laughs> so that's fun. Um, And then, you know, she meets all these other little puppets. There's a little worm who's like, a, you know, a fan favorite. Um, I, the part that always obsesses me is when she meets the two, um, the two people who block the door uh, and who are like, you have to answer a riddle. Would he, you know, I always, one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. So how do you figure out which door leads to the center of the labyrinth and which one leads to bum, 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 search and death? <sighs> like I always figure like, Oh, I need to know how to solve that riddle. Cause it's going to come up. Why couldn't she, you know, ask a, uh, an un you know arguable fact mm -hmm. right like are you standing on the ground and if they tell the truth then they're the truth guy that's well that's the, the, you, know, you have to ask both of them you have to ask both of them and then you know the one who's lying is like no well but that's the thing right you only get to ask one question right and you can can you ask it to both of them no i think it, he says like you can only ask one of us Oh, I didn't catch that part. Yeah. And so it's like you only get one question of one of them. And then you have to ask, like, you have to ask, would that one tell me that it's true? And then if they say if they say yes or no, then you know whether or not the other one like see what I mean? It's like it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not sure that if I was presented to that situation, I would remember. <laughs> And we don't like you don't immediately know because she ends up in the oubliette, right? Yeah. Even though I think she got it right. Right? Yeah. No? No, I think she, she did get it. Uh, yeah, she got it right as far as I remember. I remember well, what, yeah, what I saw. She didn't land in certain death. She just landed in oubliette. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, Jareth is popping up all over the place to sort of, like, thwart her and hope that she will give up by making it complicated for her. And, of course, every time they interact, uh, she's like, it's a piece of cake. Like, hmm, I'm going to be a sassy teenager. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, then let's make it much harder for you. Which is such a teenage, such a teenager thing. As the mother of a, of a soon-to-be 16-year-old, uh, <laughs> like, be like, are you okay? How's the labyrinth going? It's fine. It's fine. It's a piece of cake. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, then you don't need 13 hours, do you? What do you guys think of the puppets? Like the chill, the there's so many puppets. Uh, like eventually she meets Ludo, the big monster, um, and Sir Didymus, the little dog that rides a dog, um, and you know we see a, a plethora of goblins, uh, and there's of course the chili down, uh, fire <laughs> monsters, <laughs> and uh, you know the guy whose head is a hat. Like there's so many puppets. What do mm. we do? We love them. Do we hate them? Are they scary? What do we think? 
I love them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. All, all, all of them except the ones that take off their limbs and heads, which are gross and nightmare fuel. But yeah, everyone else it, it is, yeah, it's just, you know, it's that great kind of Muppet characters. The, the, the thing that's fun about this movie is that all the obstacles are characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it, it's not just a door. It's not just spikes. It's even the bog has personality. Oh, you know? yes, it does. <laughs> the bog of eternal stench. Oh, dude, when yeah. it just makes fart noises. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, every... All of these obstacles, the doors, all of it, you know, have these fun, charming personalities, even like... The the like the big mechanized thing of blades coming to kill them, you know, and then they they sneak they 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 evade it, and then you see behind it a bunch of like small little goblins on on a bicycle moving the machine, you mm-hmm. know. All of it has that wonderful kind of Jim Henson charm, um, right? That it's menacing, but it's also sweet and funny, right? Yeah, and it's tough because. Some of these puppets just border on the edge of grossness, you know, and and it's tough to thread that needle of keeping the playful charm of them and avoiding the grossness, which which I really enjoy. Who Dark was a gross Crystal, puppet but for you? I, you know, well, I think that the imps were pretty pretty terrible. The the red. They the take red their, dancing creatures. They're flaming their heads yeah. off. Chill yeah. down with your problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like Hoggle is a little disgusting, but he's still charming and lovable, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think some of the characters, like, I, I really enjoyed Dark Crystal, but I do think some of the characters in there were maybe a touch gross. Some I don't of like, them. I don't like a Skeksis. I don't want to, I don't like Dark Crystal. I know I like those guys, but um, but yeah, there's there's some of the ones that are are maybe maybe it's that they're a touch more human come off as well. Maybe that's not true because then kind of like the wise man with the talking bird hat was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, most of the characters in this are are really wonderful. Like the tiny little British worm. Mm-hmm. Like, Hello. <laughs> Come on inside, have a spot of tea and meet the missus. Um, which I think his lesson at the very beginning is like, oh, don't go that way. Never go that way. And then as soon as she leaves, <laughs> if she'd have gone that way, she'd have gone straight to the castle. It's like, well, maybe ask why. <laughs> ask a question. Be curious. Don't assume. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what were your favorite puppets, Val? Um, my favorite puppets were, okay, I, I'm gonna, they do count as puppets, by the way. Uh, the hands. Oh, we're helping hands. Yeah. Dude, that was like, that's like theater magic, right? Uh-huh. Like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, oh man, that gets me like so jazzed because that's like <laughs> jazz hands. Uh, literally, that's like my, my studies. That's like all I, like, how, how do I take like nothing and turn it into something? Here's a bunch of hands. Here's mm-hmm. like three people. Turn the how do you make a complete character? Um, the hands were my favorite for sure. Um, the 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 worm, <laughs> so cute, mm-hmm. he's so cute. Uh, the worm was real cute. Um, 
And actually, uh, Didymus was really funny. Yeah, yeah, I Didymus, Didymus. Has gotta, Didymus has got to be my favorite. Oh, I love Didymus, but I love Ludo. Like, Ludo is so sweet. And like, you know, he's the gentle beast. But I also love like the part where they're going sort of going past all the rocks that are like, beware. And he's like, oh, you don't yeah. have to do that for us. He's like, well, but I haven't done it for such a long time. Okay, but don't respect a big <laughs> reaction. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. Beware for the path will lead to certain destruction. I, I was like, I felt for that rock guy who was like, oh, I haven't said <laughs> it in so long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is a theme of kind of like, isolated lonely people you yeah. know and then and the knockers too are like mm-hmm. yeah every everyone is kind of stuck in their lot you know mm-hmm. yeah um uh but they're all great they're so i think they're so like each charming and, and sweet and like did you guys notice like that almost all of them are in her room when we do get to pan around her room? Mm. Sir Didymus is there, you know, her own dog is Ambrosius. You see Ludo, you see, you see the fire um, uh, imps. You see, you see basically an analogous version of everybody. So basically it's a, a total psychotic break or a like, total recall before total recall like they're trying to have like okay it is a magical experience but maybe it's just in her head yeah well, more like a wizard of oz though right maybe yeah maybe? Th- no right when when um well because mm-hmm. like you know the the fire the fire people doll right that's mm-hmm. like the most that was the most prominent thing i noticed um yeah it's like right there uh yep. and then and then you know like and then they and, and obviously Merlin, you know, who turns up as Ambrosius and like, so yeah, like when I saw, like I saw, I was like, man, is this all happening in her head? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, yeah, I, I also had Wizard of Oz vibes. Yeah. And, but like, she doesn't, she doesn't like hit her head. She, she like just has a temper know, tantrum. As far as we and, know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, is it real? Is it fake? I, we, obviously we're meant to believe that it's, in her imagination or in her dream or something like that, because it is all, it is all there in her room, including the explanation of who David Bowie is and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but there are all these different parts of the labyrinth. There's all these different pieces of the labyrinth. Like it gets more and more dangerous as you go. Um, And there's also like, there's music there's music so let's talk about the music what do we think of the songs obviously uh magic dance is probably the the most famous song where all the goblins are like running around and singing um then you've got two like breakaway hits by david bowie um (laughs) underground which plays at the beginning and the end oh by the way another fun fact the digital owl at the beginning is the first fully digitized creature ever to appear in a movie ah. well f- first digital yeah first digital animal yeah um yeah uh before that was um young sherlock see they're at this point they're really kind of like staking their claim like uh you know like so before it was like the first digital like you know human or character was you know like young sherlock holmes but then, like four years before that was Tron, which is like mm-hmm. the first digital, like hour and a half movie, mm-hmm. you know. Well, this was the first owl, Nathan. Okay, um, right. and uh, 
See, I was going to ask, like, I was going to ask if that owl, because I was like, wow, that's a pretty decent owl. And I was like, is this one of the, is this, because I saw it on Netflix, so I was like, is this one of those things where, like, George Lucas went in and, like, redid <laughs> it? <laughs> nope, that was real. That was, they put some, they put some money into that. Wow. Um, the song that he sings it when they're at the ball when she's in her like masquerade uh, attire um is uh, as the world falls down had its own music video which was basically that scene from labyrinth mm -hmm. um and then the fire guys sing the chili down song did we love it did we hate it what do we think i mean they're super catchy um but they do kind of like ride that line of kind of being about adult stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Her eyes can be so cruel, just as I can be so cruel. Uh, for me, they were less bops and more very specifically movie songs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very David Bowie songs, like they're you know ambiguous. Um, mm -hmm. And even like at the very end, where she's confronting him, he's like. All I ask is that you love me, fear me, bow down before me, and then I will be your slave. And it's like, what are you talking about? What are you even talking about? Yeah, let's parse like that a, apart. <laughs> got, a, got a lot of needs, it sounds like. <laughs> he has to run a whole labyrinth. I mean, it can't be easy mm -hmm. being the only human. Yeah, I mean, you just look at him hang out, you know, with the, all the goblins. Is He's obviously on a different social, like, level than they are. Mm -hmm. You know, he just must get so bored. You know, does he have other friends? Like, the people at the ball, do they even exist? Do they? I don't know. Is that a dream within a dream? Uh, but, like, okay, okay, I want to go back now. I want to go back now. So Okay. So when he so at the final confrontation, right? All I ask is for you to like worship me, adore me, love me. And I'm like, "Nah, man, you you just told her to go back to you told her to go back to her toys and mm -hmm. forget about mm -hmm. Toby. And now here you are in the final confrontation and you're like, "Change my mind. I want you to be my girlfriend." Yeah. Like this is this is the part where this is where I was saying in the beginning where I was like, "Man, the writing where I wish the writing was a little bit more like clear and I know now I know it went through like a bajillion rewrites so that's probably what ended up happening but bummer yeah like <laughs> like someone wanted it to be more of a romance and someone was like no that's weird we should really back off on the romance and it so it landed somewhere in the in the middle I don't know yeah well because because you know like because again he's like go back to your toys you know forget about him I did everything you wanted and then, and when then when she's in the labyrinth, he's like, "I'm sending her back home. I want her to go home and forget. You know, your job, Hoggle, is to like get her to forget and give up and go home. And then when she doesn't give up and go home, like, was it like secretly all this time? Ooh, it was a test to prove whether or not she was worthy of him. I don't know, but that could have been more clear." Mm -hmm. yeah but no for sure but i definitely feel like i've seen this movie too many times to like see the obvious bits that are like wait what that's no that's mm -hmm. weird that's not okay um so you know feel free to point out anything that's uh and i know it's a little inappropriate at times like he he wears a cod piece that borders on obscene <laughs> 
but what are we gonna do like it's the 80s it's david bowie what are we gonna do i mean um, can i say like i went to the the jim the jim henson exhibit in in la so and uh and it had the costumes the the, the two costumes it had her mm-hmm. ball gown and it had uh his ball gown costume and like man that cod piece i'm like you let's let's pay attention to it i guess can't it's not pay attention to it which it's hard to say that there's no intent for it to be like a little sexy when it's like, are we are we all seeing this? We're all seeing this. <laughs> right. Um, there's also like there's a lot of hidden David Bowie faces in the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like one really obvious one that's like, you know, the rocks when you move in a right way look like him. But there's also yeah. there's about there's seven hidden ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, what? So, how did you feel about this movie? Aside from it being like somewhat confusing, <laughs> Valerie, like, were you like, "Oh, I love it. I see myself as a Sarah," or were you like, "Nope, it. I missed it. It missed me." <laughs> um. Well, as far as any messaging like that, definitely missed me. Uh-huh. Um. Because, well, I will say, okay, I think, um, I think the big, the big lesson line that I really appreciated was, um, you know, when, when he, when, uh, David Bowie, when Jareth like turned the clocks and she goes, that's not fair. And he goes, you sure do love to use that phrase. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to compare it to mm-hmm. or like compare mm-hmm. fairness against or whatever? And I was like, yeah, you tell her Jareth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That was that was like my favorite like lesson learned line, but the rest of it was missed just because you know like like uh, Nate was saying it just it just went so quickly it was there was just no emotional mm-hmm. connection to her goal. Like in my mind, I was like, oh, she has to get the baby back because otherwise her stepmom is gonna kill her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, like there was no like. Actually, I do feel really bad about this. Yeah, she she never really had a relationship with the kid. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it it this movie is made up of like a bunch of really great moments. Like they're great like clips that you'd watch on YouTube or you would remember as a child. Like. That is a classic defining moment from a movie I love. But the whole thing as an arc definitely has, it's not as strong as I was hoping it it would be on revisiting it, you know, yeah. just in terms of like what she wanted, you know, how, you know, how, how badly she wanted it. Um, and then how everything just kind of comes together. Um, you know, like with the meaning, you know, what, 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 like, what's the ultimate moment you've, you know, that is it that she, um, you know, the connection of that, you have no power over me. And the fact that maybe he and these other things represent something, but that whatever it represents, or the metaphors are, are not really clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that was that's another one too where she, you know, she's trying to get that line down and in my mind I'm like, okay, so since her words have power, right? Cuz she accidentally said the magic words that got the baby taken away. I'm like, okay, cool. So since her words have power, all she's got to do is say the magic words that she cannot remember. So I'm like, "Oh yeah, so this is how it all ties together. She's going to remember the words." And instead of remembering the words, she says a completely different phrase that comes out of left field that has never been uttered before in the entire movie, which is, you have no power over me. 
Nope, that's the line. She says it at the beginning. Wait, she does? Yep. She says, I can never remember that line. You have no power over me. That's the line that she forgets. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would, it's totally easy to miss. I, uh, you know, she's, all she's of that. You can uh, cut that out. No, both. no. She's doing a completely different monologue. You know, she says a little bit of it through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered. But then uh, she, she's like, give me back the child. Right. So it's, it's different. But she's like, oh, I always forget that line. You have no power over me. But so, like, you're not mm. wrong. That's like the punchiest part of the whole thing. Why would she remember that part? <laughs> well, like, um, yeah, because I thought I thought "give me the child" was the line that she keeps forgetting. So, mm-hmm. whoops! <laughs> no, no, no! Like that's a complete uh, look. You know, your read on it is as valid as anything because you know if they can't get it across to you in one viewing, like you know, I don't think any movie should assume you're going to go back and watch it over and over and over again. It's lovely mm-hmm. when there are little like. Easter eggs, I guess, is what we call them now, but um, you shouldn't have to, you know, understand all that. So, like, yeah, I mean, and I think that it is definitely one of those movies that's completely, completely steeped in the tea of like, yeah, no, I saw this movie so many times when I was like very young girl that to me it's like, yeah, you have no power over me. That's the magic words, and like, and especially mm-hmm. the moment where she's like saying. She goes to the she ends up at a junk pile where there are all these like goblin women who are like carrying these giant trash piles on their back like like snails kind of like, um, you know, like they've got all of their little treasures on their back. And that that trash monster like is telling her like, no, you can't, you know, you need to go home and, and keep all your toys like these toys are valuable. These items are valuable. These things are what have value. And she has to sort of realize it's not the things that have value. It's my brother. But, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more like kind of right when she goes, it's just stuff. Yeah. I have to save Toby. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's and that's because, again, she finds the book and says the line. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. And uh, there's another moment where she's um, oh shoot, it got away from me now. There's where at like at the end, even after she's like saved Toby and like everything's fine, where she looks in the mirror and sees them all, and they're like, you know, if you should you need us, we'll be here for you. And she's like, yeah, you know, I've gone through my labyrinth, I've grown up. He has no power over me. Like this stuff has no power over me. But you know, from time to time. I'll need you in my life. These sort of childish things, these imaginative moments. And then they all have a dance party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that part. <laughs> and like, if you, I think there's sort sort of possibly a layer. And again, they do not tell you this in the writing um, where it's like, you know, if her, if we, if we know that her mom is like meant to have run off with this David Bowie person, then maybe that's what she is sort of having to go on this journey of like, Nope, this is what your life is now. There's a little brother. There's a stepmom you know, and your mom and the, all of that stuff, like that's what has no power over you. You have to sort of deal with reality. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of thing. So I don't know. Do you think like this would be something that could do for a, a reimagining? Yeah, I would, I would do it as, I mean, as I'm sure most of these people are thinking as like a mini, like a mini series. Like I would do a season, you know, like a, a six part, um, you know, you know, uh, of, of traveling through the labyrinth. Um, yeah. 
really give each it, it feels like there's a lot yeah it feels like there's a lot of opportunity i mean the 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 concept is so fun the idea of having to navigate this labyrinth which is so dense and so complicated and so difficult to traverse you know all the little pockets of of weird people and civilization and things like that that existed it's just very fertile ground right yeah agree but you still want to, them to get to the end of something you know and so that's why i don't i wouldn't do it as a series i would do it as sort of like a a mini series a limited series yes yeah what do you think valerie no i agree i was act i didn't even uh i totally forgot the concept of limited series exists so i was like mm-hmm. oh yeah it could totally be remade <laughs> it would just have to be done you know in the way movies are done now which is like two and a half hours well, yeah. but um mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't think it could be redone as the 90 minute you know format it was done in just because again like we've all kind of agreed here that there were some emotional stakes that were missing some little mm-hmm. like hidden gems like you know uh sarah's mom running off with a david bowie type like all of that would have been really lovely to have seen and again like for me my first watching is as a 33 year old i wonder yeah. what my impression <laughs> would have been had I seen this as a kid, right? I'm sure it would have been like super, I'm like, I'm sure I would have been like, wow, those puppets are scary. But instead I'm like, yeah, I fucking love those puppets. But yeah. man, I wish Sarah <laughs> really cared about that baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now as an adult, when I'm like, you know, in the reimagining of it, I'm like, yeah, this, this could do with some, with some like longevity. So like, yeah, as a mini series or as a limited series, like, you know, like the worm could have its own little thing. Like maybe there's like a whole world of wall worms. Yay. <laughs> she has to crawl into a tiny home. Well, yeah, uh, that that's straight out of a never ending story, right? Where he goes into the, the place with the little people and like suddenly fits. <laughs> um, yeah, I would love that. And I think I think you are absolutely right. They need to like define the emotional stakes a bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and you know of course if they were if it were to be remade it would be somehow grittier. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think oh, yeah, there's an expectation they... with with like Henson materials that they've got to like live just kind of like the the new Dark Crystal series that they've got to kind of like live up to the style of it. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. I was like, didn't they try to make the Dark Crystal one like grittier and darker Probably. or something? <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it because the Skeksis, they scare, they do scare me. Like the vault, like giant vulture monsters, I'm not into it. And I, I, I think the fire monsters in this one are just on this side of being fluffy enough. <laughs> like they're furry enough and not, mm-hmm. not skin. It's like skin on the Skeksis and I don't like them. Um, but yeah, they did a series for Dark Crystal. So uh, where's my Labyrinth series? I want Billie Eilish to be in it. Um, so like on a scale of oh, I was gonna pitch by the way, I was gonna oh, pitch. please, I was gonna oh, please pitch, do uh, Lil Nas X. Oh, <gasps> genius, genius. What do you, what about you, Nathan? Do you have any thoughts? No, okay, <laughs> a very Nathan response. Thank you. Uh, no, perfect idea, Valerie. I love that because yeah, he would have that, that like ambiguous magic, yeah. Or if you were going for like older rock star, uh, I was gonna say I was like if you wanted someone like more of the times for the for the childrens, 
I'd say Billie Eilish or Lil Nas X are great choices, but if you wanted like rock star vibes, I was going to say Lady Gaga. Oh yeah, she would also be amazing. She could just wear the exact same costume and hair and makeup too and be and be perfection. Um or you know, I mean I think Sting could still do it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Sting, yeah. Still, although that might uh, that might um bring in a whole lot of other questions about the age uh-huh. difference and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I was also going to say if you bring in Sting, then like you might as well just bring in Jennifer Connelly just cuz like oh. it, then the series would not be geared uh-huh. towards a newer generation, it'd be geared towards us. You know what? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's here's a pitch. Jennifer Connelly is an adult now and has a baby of her own. And life is hard. Things have not turned out the way that she thought they would. And so she has to go back into the labyrinth to fight for her own baby and see, like, you know. and Does she like wish her own baby away? I mean, mm-hmm. look, as a parent. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, that would be great. So yeah, she, well, well, I think the most realistic thing is she wishes her teenager away. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. And she has to go find her own teenage daughter in the labyrinth mm-hmm. oh my god nathan you have to make this movie because the teenage daughter <laughs> would be like no uh-uh i'm gonna uh-huh. go my own way you can't tell me what to do doors <laughs> right yeah she'll be like like the the sting will be like i'm gonna turn you into the goblin sh- into a goblin she's like cool maybe that's what i've cool. wanted all along mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I don't have to get a job. Fine, I'll be a goblin. And like, you know, Jennifer, there's Jennifer Connolly being like, uh, you know, I've solved this labyrinth before. You know, I've been through all of this before. Like, let me help you. Let me guide you. And the daughter is being like, no. And then Lady Gaga is always turning up and being like, Mwahaha. <laughs> I love this. And even like, even Jareth, you know, Jareth could appear as like different people to both of them at different times, right? Mm-hmm. So like maybe for her it's Sting, but for the daughter it's it's uh, Lady Gaga and Little Nas X and Billie Eilish all at different <laughs> times. Um, yeah, I, I I love this idea. I think we should make it right away. Pitch it. Do you, can you like get on the horn to Jim Henson there, Nathan? Do you have those? Um, um uh, the, get the company on the line and just or Lucas. I'll send an email. Something? I'll send yeah. an email. Okay, thank you, thank you. Um, so on a scale of uh, one uh, fuzzy wall worm to 10 fuzzy wall worms uh how many fuzzy wall worms would you give this movie and i let's start with nathan then we'll do valerie then we'll do me okay um this is a tough one because again there's so many wonderful moments but i've got to kind of judge it based off of the whole experience uh i'm gonna give it i think a a seven Mm -hmm. um and you know i've you don't think this is better than mannequin uh <laughs> no i'm kidding nathan say your thing i'm i'm just coming for you yeah so so just like i i mean i could totally get pushed into a 7.5 for sure not a problem okay good. Uh, but yeah that's kind of yeah maybe maybe it's a 7.4 let's let's give it a 7.4 okay i don't, I don't... So, <laughs> 7.47 but yeah just in terms of like doesn't all work there's so much that is wonderful in there but um yeah that's that's kind of where i i'm landing love it what do you think damn it (laughs) are you Uh, damning that i got a whole half of almost half a point out of you (laughs) no (laughs) i want to give it an eight i want to give it a nine but don't don't worry i'll make them's the feelings yep i love it what do you think valerie uh i am a uh I, I was going to say like six point something wall worms, but then I was like, no, because the wall worms, they have to be whole and complete. 
Yeah, uh, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not fair for to the wallworms to chop them in half and. So anyway, I'm gonna give it a solid seven wallworms um, because Woo! I love the puppets and the costumes um, and those three wallworms that are being taken away. It's because of the it's because of the writing. Okay, that's fair. Both very very well and truly evaluated in all of the logical and meaningful ways. Um, I give this movie ten. A ten wallworms <laughs> out of ten wallworms. I love it. Um, and it is obviously, you know, a lens of nostalgia that I can't, uh, I can't uh, break through. But I, mm-hmm. I relate more. Like, so if you take this as a sixteen-year-old girl, which she is supposed to be sixteen, and then you compare it to sixteen candles, like I'd rather live in this world of like goblins and and David Bowie's than like the world of Jake Ryan's and, um, you know, mm-hmm. that situation. So. I gave it a 10. I love it. But I understand that it doesn't necessarily hold up in those ways. Uh, Excellent. So Valerie and I talked a bunch about like what a good deep cut recommendation would be for this one. And I think it is a little bit challenging for this one. Uh, But my recommendation, and I have recommended it before, probably for Willow and probably for the never ending story is the Arizona Renaissance Festival. Or if you have a local Renaissance Festival, go to the Renaissance Festival. It's I lo- I go we go every year, even though it's like literally always the same. It's always the same performers, it's always the same vendors, it's always the same everything. I still love it. And any excuse to wear a flower crown um <laughs> and a long bell sleeve is a good reason. So that's my deep cut recommendation. Uh, did you come up with one, Valerie, or do you want to go last? Uh, no, I was going to say my deep cut recommendation is uh, going to be a D&D campaign. Heck yeah. Mm. Perfect. D&D campaign. Yep. Role play your uh, fears away. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, Nathan? Um, so my recommendation is going to be the uh, the artwork of Brian Froud. Oh, um, so yeah, he did the he did a lot of the concept and design for both Dark Crystal and for Labyrinth. Um, you know, he's got a lot of like fantasy art and fairies and 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 a lot of artwork that really kind of like you see it and you kind of like are immediately reconnected with that kind of style that that was in both films. And so I, I say if you're if you haven't if you're not familiar with his work and you're totally into Labyrinth and, and Jim Henson, then he it's going to be a nice little touchstone of of kind of getting more of that uh, that energy and uh, fun. Heck yeah! Uh, excellent, wonderful work all around. Um, Nathan, where can people uh, find your work? How can they support you? Um, are there ways in which they can give you money? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my PayPal account is no. Uh, yeah, if if they um, if you really need to give me money, I'm sure you can find a way to contact me personally. Um, but yeah, Squishy Studios. If you want to check out my work, is the the easiest way to do that. SquishyStudios.com uh, has the link to to all the stuff we're up to. Um, you know the that that'll. The, the social medias um, will have the best information of like the the film that we're working on right now, the last movie ever made. Um, and so if you want to check out more of that, um, you can go to last movie ever made 
at the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Wonderful. Uh, Valerie, are there things that people can find you on to uh, follow you and support you? Yeah, you can um, follow me, I guess. Well, I'm on all of the social medias. Um, I'm more of a follower than a poster myself. I'm a little creeper. <laughs> but, like, you know, I'm this is Valerie V. Uh, my website is thisisvalerieV.com, and that's where you can see all the stuff that I've produced and made, and, like, I'll update it with, like, shows that are coming up, stuff like that. Yay! Awesome. Uh, and you can find me at the physical place of the Neighborhood Comedy Theater in downtown Mesa, Arizona, or online uh, at Most Excellent Chrissy, um, or at NCTPHX. Um Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please, in addition to like following all of us and giving Nathan money, um, you know, like and follow and subscribe and uh, all those things to the podcast. Leave us a review. Um, it really makes a difference and we appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you so very, very much. Uh, remember, when you're out there in the world, please keep the most excellent podcast motto in mind. Be excellent to each other and party, party on, on, dudes. It's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool.